Right there where you are, I'm going to invite you to be on your feet. We're going to read the word of God, 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 2 and on. Amen. And the word of God says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with the sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Let's come before the presence of God. Heavenly Father, we come before your holy presence, Lord. We present ourselves, Lord, before you, and we ask you, Lord, prepare our minds, Jesus. Prepare our hearts to receive your holy word, Father. Give us of your power in this moment to fight against evil forces, Jesus. Give us of your discernment, my God, in this hour. We ask you, Lord, for your wisdom. We ask you, Lord, for your anointing. We ask you, Lord, to give us the victory over the attacks of the enemy against your church, Father. We proclaim your holy name, Jesus. We ask you, Lord, though the weapons may form, Lord, don't let them prosper, Jesus. We believe and we know that you are with us, that your power is on our side, Lord, that your name, Lord, has all power and victory, Father. And in the mighty name of Jesus, we say, amen. Giving glory to God, why don't you go ahead and take your seats in this moment. Last week, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary, amen. Uh, we had a powerful service, a beautiful service. Um, and as Pastor preached last week, uh, he preached on the subject, Soul Winners. Amen. Um, I was sitting back there listening, and when he started to develop his message, he went into the first point, which was knowing our identity as believers. And as he went on, I began to receive confirmation from God for this message today. You see, Pastor had asked me a few weeks ago to prepare for, for this Sunday, and during that time, I was reading the book of Timothy, First and Second Timothy, and I began to write notes, and I asked God, Lord, place the message in my heart. So as I developed the message, last week I sat down in the service, and I said, Lord, I hope pastor's not preaching the exact same message. <laughs> but praise God, it was just confirmation, amen, because I believe that it is important for us to know who we are. Not just as believers, but as apostolics. Amen. So today I want to expand on a little bit on that because there's an issue in this society, in our culture right now, with our identity. Specifically with gender identity. It's a big movement that it's disturbing because there's so many things that are coming up that it just catches you by surprise, and I'm like, wow, there's, there's more? There's so many things that, and people are uniting to push 
this movement. And it's a lot of things that when I hear people talk, someone saying, well, I identify as this or that. And somebody just says, yeah, that's your truth. That's your truth. And I, I hear and I'm saying, well, if the truth is depending on person or depending on how you feel, then that, my friend, it's an opinion. It's not the truth because the truth doesn't change depending on the person. The truth does not change depending on your mood. The truth doesn't change depending on the year. The truth remains the same. And what we have here in the gospel is the truth. Because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. Jesus is the truth. And that's why the word says that he remains the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The truth doesn't change. It remains the same. So when we hear people saying, well, that's your truth, I've told people, so you're telling me that if I say something else, you're going to tell me that's my truth? So I ask, so what is the truth then if it's constantly changing? So what is the truth? And they don't know what to answer because sometimes they just say things to say them. But we have to have discernment of the spirit of the Lord to be able to stand up when people are saying that one thing is the truth when we know it's not. If it was the truth, it would set them free. Because the truth doesn't leave you in confusion. The truth doesn't leave you lost. The truth doesn't leave you wondering. Truth doesn't leave you questioning. Truth gives you answers. And the truth gives you freedom. And that's found in the name of Jesus. He's going to give you liberty. He's going to give you freedom that you're looking for. Because he is the way, the truth, and life. Amen. There's a... A famous NBA player that maybe some of you guys know him by the name of Dwayne Wade. I don't know if you heard a few couple years back, he came out with his family. He has a few kids, two, three kids. And they came out saying in the news that they're, at the time, their 12-year-old, uh, the 12-year-old boy, came out to them saying that, he was going to identify as a young lady now from, from that moment on. And this, uh, the dad, he came out saying, my wife and I, we support our daughter. And I'm just listening to this. I'm like, wow. And he was saying that the, their son told them that he knew since the age of three what his gender was, his real gender. And I paused and uh, thought to myself, a kid wouldn't know that because kids only know what we teach them. Kids only know what, what we show them. So I began to think and I said, you know what, if he's saying that, then that's what the parents begin to teach him. And he said, we're supporting his decision because we want to protect his heart and his joy. And I thought, if you want to protect him, you will lead him in a different path, not, not to the path of destruction. But we have to be so careful because the enemy is going to use people 
that we know of. And, and he's, he's smart because he's going to use people in sports. How many of you watch sports? We know who those people are. We watch them play. So we're aware. I know who he is. I've seen him play. You know who he is. You've seen him play. But we have to be careful who we follow, even if it's a sports athlete, because what they stand for is not what we stand for. What they believe is not what we believe. What they preach is not what we preach. So we could watch without idolizing them because they have a different message. And they come out saying it with pride, with no shame. So I began to think, how is it that parents can support this? And it's because that's what's going on overall in this country. And if they were not to support that, the whole country turns against them. So they have to make a choice, just like you and I. And the choice they make is to go with the flow of the, of the culture. And they support sin. And they don't call it that. But they support it. And as I began to dig deeper in this, my wife and I were talking. And there's actually laws in San Jose and maybe all over the Bay Area. But at least I know that in San Jose, there's laws that help kids change their name legally if they want to identify in the opposite sex. So if a boy wants to identify as a girl, there's laws that help those kids, defend those kids, and help them change their names. And I told Sari, no way, this, this can't be true. How? And I told her, how do you know? She did an internship at a law firm, and that's where she learned that. That that's what they did. That there was an area and there was lawyers that focused on that. If that doesn't wake us up, I don't know what will, church. If that doesn't put something inside your heart, a burden inside of you to fight in prayer, to unite as a church, I don't know what will. Because I already know it's getting bad, but hearing that, that the enemy is attacking not just us now. But the kids, we have to stand up and fight for them in prayer. Teach them the word of God. Not only do we have to stand up, but we have to stand up for the word of God. Amen. Because the kids don't know anything rather than only the things that we will teach them and show them. I want to take you to 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. And it says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Paul is writing to Timothy. This was written thousands of years ago, but when I read this, I almost feel like Paul's here living with us. 
when I read this, I felt like, wow, they're, they're, he really was describing today. Because God, the word of God is inspired by God. And he knew of the times coming ahead. And verse 3 says that there are going to be people that are unforgiving. There's going to be people without love. And I think we begin to see that throughout the communities, in the news. You hear about it, people breaking in uh, homes all over the Bay Area. People breaking into cars all over the Bay Area. Um, I don't know if you've heard about that, right? Especially in the city, there's been a lot of that. There's even been cases where people go to the city. Some people are stalking you. They follow you all the way till you drive to your house, whether it's from the city to Hayward or wherever you live. There's been cases where they follow them until they get to their home, and then they take their stuff there. People are not trying to hide it anymore. The, back then, you would hear of things like this happening at nighttime, after 10, 11, midnight, when people are, you know, no one's in the street, everyone's asleep. But it's not like that anymore. They do it in broad daylight. It's almost like they want to be seen. The enemy doesn't care anymore. People don't care about sin anymore. That they, This preacher said people used to hide it, but now they, public, they publicly put it on social media, what they're doing. They promote it. And because of these times, church, we have to stand up and defend the sound doctrine of God. We got to stand up and defend the word of God. Because if we don't do it, who will? If you and I are the believers and we don't stand up for the word, the world ain't going to care. In fact, that's what they want. They want you and I to be silent. And we got to stand up and defend the sound doctrine. Second Timothy 4.3 Timothy, uh, uh, refers what it's called sound doctrine and the word doctrine simply means teachings the word sound means healthy and we're talking about the teachings of Jesus the sound doctrine is the is what the Jesus gave the apostles you see he chose them and he gave them this the the doctrine so that they could correct to edify to encourage to minister to the people I'm going to read Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42. And it says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. This is found in Acts chapter 2, 41. Now, if we go back a few verses to verse 38... We know that Bible verse, amen? This is where Peter is saying to repent for the, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins. And that's when verse 41 says, they received his word and were baptized. 3,000 people were baptized in Jesus' name. And then continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. In the apostles' teachings. Now, Jesus knew that his ministry was going to be short on earth. So he chose 12 men. He chose 12 men to disciple, to teach, to mentor. 
so that they could carry on the word of God after he was crucified. Amen? So Jesus teaches them. He gives them the words. He gives them the doctrine. And this is what the apostles continued to preach thereafter. So verse 41 says that they continue in the apostles' doctrine. And that's where we get our doctrine from. That's where we get the apostolic name. You see, we didn't just come together and make it up. We didn't just say, well, that word sounds good. Let's go with that. The apostolic, it's biblical. The apostolic doctrine is a biblical. And it's found here in verse 41. This is what they were preaching. This is what they were teaching. This is how they were baptizing. And people in thousands were receiving the doctrine. John 7, 16 says, Jesus answered and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. So church, we have the sound doctrine. You see, it's important to know that we have it and where it comes from. Because anyone can say, well, this is what we preach and that's the sound doctrine. But we have to ask, well, where is it coming from? Where are you getting it from? Us as apostolics, as apostolic believers, the sound doctrine, we always shout and say we have the truth because we do. It's found in the Bible that this was directly from the apostles, the teachings that they were giving, that they received from the Lord. The, this is something that we, we didn't just come up on our own. And it's so important for us to know, especially young people, because sometimes we may just, look, sometimes when we grow up, I don't know if everyone here grew up in the church or in the apostolic assembly, but sometimes you get used to it. It's not until you go somewhere else that you feel the difference. I've been to other conferences, different churches, and I can feel the difference. I, I leave dry. I feel I'm like, wow, I need to go pray after service because I just didn't. And, and that's the difference, that we preach the full gospel. Other churches preach certain parts that they find more attractive. But it, as apostolic people, we preach the sound doctrine of Jesus Christ. Amen? And let me break it down. The word apostolic comes from the Greek word apostolos, which means one who is sent out. One who is sent out. There was a Greek writer in the, uh, by the name of Demosthenes noted that this word apostolos was used to describe a cargo ship back then. This was before it was used for apostles. And it was used to describe a cargo ship that sometimes they would call apostolic. And they would send out the ship with specific shipments to accomplish a mission. So the word itself means one who is sent out. And back then, they would use it on ships to send out special shipments that were on a mission. And sometimes they would uh, call it the apostolic cargo or the apostolic ship. And I loved when I was doing this research, I loved finding this because I said, that's who we are. We have a special shipment, and we are on a mission. We carry the word of God. We carry the sound doctrine, and our mission is to preach it to the souls. 
Our mission is to reach people with the word of God. That's who we are as apostolic people. That's what it means to be apostolic. Apostolic means to be sent out. So it's only right that we preach the word of God when we go out to the streets, when we go out to work, to school, to wherever we go, that we preach. Because if you're apostolic, you're one that is being sent out with the sound doctrine. We are the church of the book of Acts. The apostles carried the sound doctrine, and that's what you and I are still doing today. Let me tell you that as apostolics, yes, we are different than other churches. We, we are very different. You know why? Because we strive for spiritual excellence. And you know that a city like church, we definitely go for that. We strive for excellence in everything that we do. As apostolic people, we praise God. We worship God. We, we do it with freedom. We, we don't back down. We're not shy. We let the spirit move. We let God interrupt the service. We'll stay here till 4 p.m. if we have to. If the spirit is moving, we'll continue it. Because that's who we are. Praise is what we do. It's what we live for. It's to magnify the name of Jesus. And I love that about the apostolic church. Because like I said, there's other places that don't have what we have. They don't have those things. But these are the things that make us an apostolic church. And I want to dive in a little bit deeper in the things that we believe as apostolic people. We believe in the baptism of Jesus' name. According to Acts 2.38, which says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We baptize in this name because it is the fullness of God. It's the fullness of God revealed in Jesus. Matthew 28, 19 says to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we know there's a lot of people that use this verse to say that there is a trinity. We, we hear that a lot. We hear that often. But let me ask you this. It says baptize in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When I read that, it's very simple. So if I wasn't a believer, I would ask, if you're saying in the name of the Father, the Son, then what is the name? If you're talking to me about someone and you're saying, oh, yeah, he's a father, he's a son, well, you keep talking to me about this person, what, what's his name? And a lot of people don't want to tell you what that name is because then they, it defeats what they believe in. The name is Jesus. It's very simple. The name is Jesus. We are not excluding any part of who God is. I have talked to many people and many times they want to tell me, well, you know, the verse is three and... Um, and I tell them, look, we baptize in Jesus' name for the forgiveness of your sins. And people have asked me, well, aren't you leaving out the Father and the Holy Spirit? No. Because Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. 
we're not excluding anything. Because when you call the name of Jesus, you're calling on the fullness of who he is. And right now, I have now the privilege to have that title as a father. I'm also a son to my parents, and I'm also a husband. But you're not going to call me father, and you're not going to call me son or husband. Only, I mean, my wife will, but. <laughs> and when she's upset, she'll call me Kevin. <laughs> But my name is Kevin, and when you call my name, and I come, I'm, I'm not showing up in three pieces. When you call me, you see who I am as a person. That's my name. But I have different relationships with different people. With now my son, I'm his father. With my wife, I'm his son. With my parents, I'm their son. It's, it's very simple, but people want to make it complicated because the word says that people will have a form of godliness, but deny its power. They want to deny the name of Jesus because the name of Jesus contains the power. The power to break sins, amen. As apostolic believers, we believe in the fullness of God. We believe that he is one. And people question that. Let me tell you this. So many people preach on three distinct persons, on the idea of the Trinity, but it wasn't about until a hundred years after the last writer of the New Testament that this idea came about. A hundred years after the last writer of the New Testament, the idea of three distinct persons came about. It was the Latin word Trinitas, first used by Tertullian, which was an early Christian author in A.D. 200. He is the one who first used three persons to refer to God. But before then, the apostles would have never thought about God in three persons because this came about until 100 years later. So people will ask you, should we listen to Jesus or should we listen to Peter? I've been asked that. Well, who are you going to listen to? When Jesus said this in Matthew 28, 19, or are you going to listen to Peter? Well, that's a question that you're, that question comes out of ignorance with respect. Because when Jesus said this, he was giving that, that to, to the 12 of them. He was talking to all 12. According to the timeline, about two to three weeks later is when they go and preach Acts 2.38, and Peter is the one who rises to preach this, but once again, all 12 of them are there. Now, if, if Jesus would have really said, no, you have to say the, the, the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, and Peter's doing something else, you would have thought that out of a group of 12 people, some of them would have said, hey, Peter, that, remember what Jesus told us? But the fact that they all stamped it, the fact that they continue to preach and baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, so the question is not about who are you going to listen to. It's about knowing when they occurred. And Jesus told them what to do. But the, also the reason why they baptized in his name is because they knew who the father was. They knew who the son was. And he told them, before you start preaching, just wait and receive the Holy Spirit. John 10, 30 says, I and my father are one. John 14, 9 says, Jesus said to them, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? 
He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. For a child, for to us a child is born, that child, Jesus, known as the Son. But in this verse it's saying we're going to know him and call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. They're, showing, they're talking about the Son and the Father in the same verse. Revelation 4.2 says, one was seated on the throne. So to people who have asked me, well, we believe in three distinct persons and this, and I tell them, look, I believe that there is one and his name is Jesus. It's, I ask, if you believe in three in heaven, how many thrones will you see? Will you see one or will you see three? And if you say three, then you believe in three gods. And the Bible says that there's only one God. If you say there's only one throne, then who would you see if you believe in three? Would you see the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit? And if you say the Father, where will the other two? We believe that there is just one seated on the throne, and that is the name that we praise, the name of Jesus. That's who we are as apostolic people. We know that there is just simply one and only one that is glorified. He doesn't share his glory. He's been one from the beginning. People have asked me, well, what about Yahweh and what about Ye Jehovah? Let me tell you, Jesus means Jehovah Savior. It's the same God from the Old Testament, the same God in the New Testament. He's the one who died for you. But a lot of times we can't comprehend that because Jesus was fully God and fully man. And there's times in the Bible where we see Jesus praying and saying, Father. And that causes confusion to people who say, well, he's the son is praying to the father no he was fully man he was setting an example to us he didn't have to pray he was free of sin he had all power all authority he was walking around teaching and rebuking casting out demons he didn't necessarily have a need to pray but he did it because he was setting an example as a man as a son of man knowing that he was still the son of God and would still cast out demons. They would hear his voice and they would, they would run. They would hide because they, the Bible says that even they know his name and they tremble. They flee. So if the demons know his name, if the demons know that he is one, there's no room for more. As apostolics, we believe in holiness. 1 Peter 1, 15 says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. I love this verse because it says, Be holy in all you do. The word holy means to be dedicated or consecrated to God. Spiritually excellent. God is holy, exalted, and worthy of complete devotion. And we, as apostolic people, believe to separate ourselves in following the footsteps of Jesus, striving to be more like him in the way that we live. Listen, the word Christian, as Christian people, the word Christian means relating to or professing the teachings of Jesus Christ. So if you are a Christian, you are professing 
the teachings of Jesus. And the teachings of Jesus says, be holy because I am holy. You see, this is very simple, but I get that it's not trendy. And that's why people don't want to follow it. That's why people just want to take certain parts. They just love the verse, I can do all things, right? They'll take that verse. And they'll take other verses that are popular, the Lord is my shepherd. They'll take the verses that, you know, protects, blesses. But what about the verses that correct you? What about the Bible verses that, that rebuke, that encourage? That's why we can't just pick and choose. That's why the sound doctrine preaches the full gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's who we are as believers. We believe in holiness because it separates us from the world. It's confusing when there's a, a believer that looks like a soul and I'm there trying to evangelize and they turn around and say, amen, I go to church. I'm like, oh, well, praise God. You got me. <laughs> that has happened to me in airplanes. This guy just wanted to pray over me and I said, oh, Jesus, help me. But that's who we are as apostolic people. We believe in holiness. And you know what it is? There's a lot of people that will tell you and I, well, you guys do too much. People have said that. You guys, you guys do a lot. And it's not that we do a lot. It's like I said, we follow the full gospel of Jesus. If that's what he gave to the apostles to preach, who are we to just get certain parts of it? Who are we to just take one half of it? Who are we to say, no, well, that's the God, but this, this is the only part you need to know about. Who are we? Jesus wants us to preach the word that heals, the word that rebukes, the word that corrects, that ministers, the word that elevates people. He wants us to preach and reach the people that need his word. So even when people say, you guys do a lot, you know what? I was talking to my brother here. I said, you know what? He said, I'd rather do a lot than not do enough. Because the word says that the Lord is coming for a church that is holy. And if he's there coming for a church that is holy, but we look like the world, will he miss me? If I'm among them, will he miss me because I didn't separate myself in holiness? Because I wasn't hot and I wasn't cold. I was lukewarm. And the Bible talks about Revelations 3.16 says, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And maybe you're not making a choice but your actions are making it for you. So it's so important for us to learn to separate ourselves from the world. Amen. As apostolic believers, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. Amen. It is the supernatural spirit and power of God. 
that is active in our hearts. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. John 3, 5 says, No one can enter the kingdom unless you are born of water and spirit. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is for everyone. We believe that it's for those who are hungry, for those who thirst for righteousness. We believe that if you came today and you're here and you're hungry and you ask God for the Holy Spirit, we believe that God will fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit because it is for anyone. Luke 11, 35. Luke eleven thirty five 35 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? A lot of times people may say, well, I haven't received it, but have you asked? Because if you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, start with asking the Lord. Lord, I want to be filled. I want you to fill me. There's people that receive it before baptism, during, and some after. I personally didn't receive it until later after I got baptized. I struggled to get it, but it was because I wasn't asking. And once I began to ask, I felt like God began to speak to me and tell me, you need to clean your heart and your mind. And that comes with repentance. If you came here and you can repent before God and ask him to fill you, you're going to leave this place filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Because that's what we believe, that the power of the Holy Ghost is for those who ask and those who are hungry. Just now, we were worshiping, you could feel the Spirit of God moving in this place. Because there's people that came here with hunger. There's people that came here ready to praise and ready to worship. And when there's two or three united in his name, God comes down and fills us with the Holy Spirit. Because his word says, where there's two or three united in his name, he is there. And I believe that God is here in this place. Listen, you may look around, there's not 300 people. But as long as there's two or three in his holy name, you came to the right place to be filled with the power of the Spirit of God. Amen. We believe that the Spirit enables us with power to fight against the attacks of the enemy. He gives us the power to rebuke and cast out demons. He gives us the power to pray and to heal. He gives us the power to preach. And as believers of the Sound Doctrine Church, we need to preach the Word of God. We need to preach the Word of God. When I was younger, I used to not preach it or share it with people around me. And it wasn't because I wasn't ashamed. I started realizing it's because I didn't know enough. And I felt, well, I wanted to tell them this, but I know they're going to ask me this. Okay, I better not. Because I knew I didn't have the answers. Especially when it came to defending the sound doctrine with oneness. There was times where I would stumble when they would ask me, well, what about Matthew 2019? I didn't know the answer. And when you don't know it, you have to ask. Talk to the pastor. Talk to the ministers. Talk to the deacons. But ask somebody. 
don't do what I did and stay quiet. You ain't going to find the answers just like that. You have to read the word of God. You have to dive in. You have to ask questions because the answers are there. The word of God is not meant to be confusing. And the word of God is not contradicting. The word of God suits. It, it, it complements the word of God from beginning to end. There's, there's no confusion in it. If you stumble with something, it's just simply you have to find where it fits. According to the timeline, according to who wrote it, when, who it was for, the context. But we have to dive in. And that's what I fear that a lot of believers today, we're not diving in enough that any false doctrine comes along and you see them follow it. Any false doctrine comes through and there goes a lot of young people and sometimes even older people. Because we didn't study the word. Because we didn't dive deeper. And let me tell you that in this hour where we're having a crisis of identity, where people in the world, we know who we are, but people in the world don't know who they are. The enemy is taking them different routes, left, right. They're, they're calling themselves everything you could think of. They identify as anything and at this point. And as believers, we have a responsibility to speak up and preach the sound doctrine of Jesus. You're apostolic. I broke it down what it means. You're the one who's being sent out with the message of Christ. You and I carry the word now. The, Jesus ain't here in flesh. The apostles ain't here anymore. Now it's you and I who are here. So now we carry this, the responsibility to preach this word of God. There are so many. The world is not shy about sin anymore. It's promoting it. There's a lot of secular artists that now in, in videos and, and pictures, now they're promoting satanic worship. Demonic worship. They're, they're coming up and... If you have social media, you see it. People are sharing it, liking it, and it pops out. And they're not hiding it. They're promoting it. And if they're loud about sin, we can't stay quiet about the gospel. If they're being loud about sin, you and I can't stay quiet about the word of God, about the teachings and the sound doctrine. If they're promoting it, why wouldn't we speak up and share the word of God? We have a responsibility to stand and defend and preach the word because there's still so many people around you that need to hear the word. There's still so many broken people around you that still need healing. There's so many broken people around you that God can minister through you. And we have a responsibility to get loud in this moment and in this hour while all the people around us are getting loud and preaching lies, we can't stay quiet in this hour. People will challenge you just like the devil tempted Jesus. Matthew 4, 8, and, uh, 8 to 11 says, The devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain 
and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The devil came to challenge Jesus, and the devil's going to come to challenge you and I. I've been challenged in the past, and there's been moments where I've lost the battles because I didn't know the word. The devil will come after you, and now he's coming after your children too. And if we don't know the written word, we're not going to have the power to rebuke it. We're not going to be able to rebuke the enemy. Because Jesus rebuked him saying, it is written. It is written. There's people that will challenge you that know word. Some of them can quote it. And that's why it's so important for us to know what is written. Because if you semi-know, they'll, they'll go around you and they'll tell you, well, this says that. And, and they'll just make you fall into a false doctrine because you didn't know the written word of God. There were so many moments in my life where I wrestled with doubts because people will challenge me and ask me questions that I didn't know how to answer. And I would tell my parents, well, well, they, this is what they told me. What do you have to say about that? And, and, if, and I thank God for the parents that the Lord gave me that are rooted in the word because if it wasn't for them, I probably would have followed a false doctrine because I didn't read and I wouldn't study. I wouldn't pray. I was depending on my parents' prayers. I was depending on my parents' knowledge. But we can't do that anymore. You have children that you need to teach. You have children that we need to protect in prayer. You have maybe nephews, nieces, little brothers, little sisters. Did you know that in schools right now, they're pushing for, I'm not sure if it's gone through, but for them to have curriculum to teach and expose students to gender identity lessons? Did you know that? And if we don't teach the children, if we don't protect them with the word, kids only know what we teach them. And if we don't know the word of God, how are we going to teach them? If we don't know the word of God, how are we going to protect them? How are, we gonna, how are you going to protect yourself? How are you going to keep your salvation? How are you going to stand against the enemy? How are you going to fight against evil forces? How are you going to fight against demons when they come to attack your home? How will you protect your home? How will you protect your family? How will you protect them if you don't know the word? We need to know the word of God, the sound doctrine of Jesus. Because when you know it, you could call on the name of Jesus and say, Satan, I rebuke you in the mighty name of Jesus. Because there is power in that name. 
that is above all names. There's only one that can save. There's only one that can heal. But if you don't know his name, how would you call on him? If you don't call on him, if you don't have a relationship with God, how will you stand your ground? I'm going to invite you to be up on your feet as I close. Timothy, 2 Timothy 4.16 says, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. Continue in the doctrine. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. When we stay with the true doctrine, with the truth, with the gospel, with the sound doctrine, we will save ourselves and those who hear us. The enemy church is looking for believers that don't have a, a firm foundation. He, he's looking for, for people that are Christians and, and that go to church every Sunday that he could just devour and fool. Have you not seen so many people from our churches? I'm talking about our churches in the assembly. People that were used by God, preaching, ministering, leading worship, that no longer serve the Lord? I know a few personally that they're no longer in this path. But I remember moments when I would go to conventions and hear them preach or, or, or worship and the Spirit of God would move. And I asked myself, well, I wonder what happened. Lord, what happened, Lord? And it's because when we don't have a firm foundation in the Word of God, any wind will come and blow and it will knock you over. Because if you're not standing on the rock, on the rock of salvation, any wind of false doctrine will come and will take you out because you didn't know the word to rebuke him, to stand up for the sound doctrine, to stand up for the truth. If we don't stand up right now, who will stand for your family? If you're the man of your home, I want to tell you, if you and I don't dive into the word, don't dive into prayer, if we don't have the power of the Holy Ghost, who will defend that home? Who will defend your children? Who's going to guide them? Who's going to teach them? I'll tell you who, the world will teach them right away. I'll tell you who, the world will teach them right away. And you know what is going to teach them? Crooked thoughts, lies, false doctrines. That's what the Bible says. 
that there will be times where people will turn away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 5 says, and there's people that have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. Don't you think the enemy's smart enough? I mean, if we see in the Bible that he tempted Jesus with the word, don't you think he's smart enough to just put up a, a church together and call himself a believer and, and preach a false doctrine? Don't you think he, if he wants to defeat the church, wouldn't he want to do that? And he is. That's why you see certain churches, they just blow up out of nowhere. I'm like, wow, praise God, I wonder how that happened. And when you go, you don't hear the truth. When you go, you don't hear the sound doctrine. You know what you hear? What their itching ears want to hear. People don't want to be corrected. So these preachers don't correct the church. People don't want to hear the truth. These preachers don't preach the truth. They just crack jokes and they just, they say, yeah, we could all, we could fit in with the world. We could do this and that. Recently, I heard a supposed Christian artist say that we could be righteous and ratchet. And I said, you can't serve two lords. You can't serve two masters. Either you will serve one or you will serve the other. But church, today, in my spirit, the Lord sent me with one assignment. That we need to get a hold of his word. And we need to get a hold of the Holy Spirit. If we don't wake up now, we may wake up when it's too late. When your kids are lost, it, that might be too late. But right now, it's the right time. 